3: And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Um, so, you know, things are evolving in the conflict in Ukraine, and we're, we're starting to actually learn, I think, a lot more about uh, the dynamics of this conflict. Um, because I'll be honest, I found it uh, very confusing Uh to say the least, confusing. It was confusing me as to, you know, what this is all about. What where the uh, what where's the just where's the benefit to Russia for this? Um, And in part, you know, it's uh, it's gaining territory, reversing what Putin feels is the the embarrassment of the 90s. Uh, in the wake of uh Gorbachev and and then Yeltsin was the uh, first leader of uh Russia Russia uh he was the first leader of Russia Gorbachev was the last leader of the USSR and Reagan and Gorbachev you know had those monumental moments and uh and then a whole bunch of uh revolutions you know happened uh, in all these neighboring and and then emerging co- countries, uh, Latvia and Lithuania and, and Belarus and Ukraine and Kazakhstan and so on and so forth. I remember Nazarbayev was the first uh, leader. I, I almost met Nazarbayev, actually. Very corrupt guy. There's a lot of corruption in that region. And uh, again, it's one of those areas of the world that... Um, You know, sort of like the Middle East, it's not very reflective of the United States. We have to do business with these people, but, uh, you know, it it is an interesting conflict. Part of it is that Ukraine is using this this conflict to benefit uh, themselves by getting into the European Union. So they're going to be fast-tracked into the European Union. And what's interesting about that is their interest in something that you and I may be in agreement with, we don't like, which is globalism and the New World Order. Remember when George Herbert Walker Bush talked about the New World Order? Well... That's sort of what's going on here, is I think that the part of NATO wanted Ukraine into uh, NATO and the European Union. And that's one part of it. But the other part is this adoption and this embracing and this empowering and this growth of globalism. And a new world order. And anytime I hear somebody say something about a new world order, I I begin to panic a little bit. So it was just reported the European Parliament has accepted Ukraine's application. Application, meaning they applied to join the European Union. A special admission procedure... Has begun. Interesting. What else is interesting is this clip here from a uh, Ukrainian parliament member. And she says, we not only fight for Ukraine, we fight for this new world order. And we are the last, we are the shield to protect the Euro. Euro. So let's take a listen to this.
4: Right now, it's a critical time because we know that we not only fight for Ukraine, we fight for this new world order for the democratic countries. We knew that we are the shield for the euro right now.
3: So we knew that we were the shield for the euro. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? It kind of makes you wonder what this is all about. Now, of course this this is all about globalism and globalism and its uh, covid was about globalism mask everybody who wears a mask is a zombie i can't believe when i walk out my door how many people i see still wearing masks even when the cdc says quit they can't quit they need that pacifier these are all people that need to put a pacifier in their mouth. It's just disgusting. And they are virtue signaling and they are so stupid. They don't even know they don't even know that they are bowing down to a power that they should not be bowing down to. They don't know the gamesmanship that's been played. For example, this whole thing about climate. There's an article out that we're going to cover today a little bit about Russia's influence on green energy in America. Who is selling out the China? I mean who is I mean I'm sorry, who's selling out the Russia? Well, it's kind of interesting, but it turns out that it's it's Russia, just like just like um, it was China it was one of the big influencers of university spending. Another big influencer was Qatar, uh, where they would spend billions of dollars on our universities, billions of dollars. Just like when China spent billions of dollars on the Biden Center, and what did Joe Biden do? Well. First, he used Blinken to cover up the donations that China was giving to the Biden Center at University of Pennsylvania. That was the first thing. That was the first thing, right? But then... well, sorry. (laughs) My phone is going off. I'm going to silence it um, here in just a second. So the first thing is is that you... uh, have to cover up your tracks you don't want to you don't want people to know what China influence or influencers was donating to the Penn University Biden Center right located right there in Philadelphia have many friends that work at Penn but then Amy Gutman becomes the ambassador to Germany she's the president of Penn. And uh, Blinken becomes the Secretary of State because he did that handy work of covering up the anonymous donors from China. And China had major influence, not only in terms of uh, investing in universities, but also so that they would accept CCP military engineers to learn how to make certain weapon systems and technologies that they would then take back to China. And that would become part of our overall uh, loss of uh, intellectual property. They would steal that just right out of the country. They would go right back. They wouldn't invest here. They would take our knowledge and they wouldn't uh, set up shop here. They wouldn't boost our GDP or an economy, they would take it back to China. And what do we do recently? Uh, I just read recently where Biden has closed down the investigation and the uh, lawsuits that were going on with respect to uh, suing China for intellectual property theft. Uh, I don't know the exact details, but something like that just happened recently. If you if you uh, search that, you would find that Uh, that uh, there's just a recent wrinkle where Biden basically is dropping the charges uh, against China. And I think he did that because he was selling out America's interest, not just for the last few decades, a couple of decades with Hunter Biden, but also because he was pleading on his hands and knees. To get China to help out with the situation between Ukraine and Russia. The globalists and the nationalists. Uh, And basically this is another war between nationalism and globalism. But he wanted China to help out. And China basically said, go pound sand. But China has been taking advantage of the Ukraine crisis to undermine the United States. And they're going to probably, you know, with regard to the SWIFT financial system, they're probably going to benefit from that by getting further and further away from that dollar. So not only do we have the spoils of um, getting away from the gold standard since 1971, because we weren't responsible stewards of the flexibility that we had in managing the currency. The gold standard was rigid. It did not give us flexibility. But we wanted some flexibility. We thought we would benefit from flexibility. That's sort of like saying, you know, it'd be nice to have an, a little higher credit ceiling until your credit. Uh, ceiling is too high and until your debt becomes too high to manage and then you sink and and go into bankruptcy. It's no different really. I mean, well, it is different, but it's similar in concept. When we got off the gold standard, the gold standard kept us honest because that was gold. And that was nice. But what ended up happening is we ended up having, um, I'm getting some feedback.
2: You you may to receive diabetic yeah, testing.
3: All right. Well, there's a commercial that you didn't hear. Um, in any case, so we, we had a lot more flexibility, but just like if you're bad with a credit card, it's the same thing. You got all this new flexibility, but hey, that's a lot of, uh. That's a lot of um, responsibility. And if you aren't responsible, then you end up with serious debt, high interest rates, major inflation, major expenses, major burden, bankruptcy, the whole ball of wax. Well, in any case, right now, China is taking advantage of us. First, China made another show of force to Taiwan. A few hours after Russia's invasion began, Taiwan reported nine Chinese aircraft had entered its airspace, air defense identification zone, ADIZ, they call it. Even though China's People's Liberation Army, PLA, recently increased both the frequency and the number of fighter jets it sent near Taiwan's ADIZ, the timing of the most recent incursion was unmistakably tied to Russia's invasion in Ukraine. Of course, we're busy trying to think about what to do with regard to Ukraine. We're knocking on China's door, begging them for help, and they're saying, go pound sand. We already gave you guys some money. Just ask Hunter. And, you know, you wonder how the left even voted for this person, right? How? 81 million votes. We're going to see 81 million votes on display tonight at the State of the Union address, aren't we? It's not going to be pretty. He didn't have time to prepare for this speech. Whatever speech he's going to give, he has nothing to sell, nothing to offer. His foreign policy disasters, one after the other, are going to be unexplainable. His Supreme Court nomination based on race and gender is irresponsible and un-American and exactly the opposite of the words of Martin Luther King. And he's going to have these things to showcase. He's going to have Afghanistan. He's going to have China. He's going to have Ukraine. And, you know, it's really true that what Trump said at CPAC over the weekend was Putin never, bothered to, uh, Putin never bothered to enter another country. He entered Georgia under Bush. He entered Crimea under Obama. And he entered Ukraine under the nose of Joe Biden. But he never did that under Trump, did he? And the reason why is because Trump would have played hardball from the get-go. None of this equivocating, none of this begging. Trump stood up to China when nobody else would. Russia is a lot easier to deal with than China. What you're seeing play out between Russia and Ukraine is nothing compared to what you're going to see with China and Taiwan. China is better equipped. They have better assets. They're economically stronger. And they have a lot more muscle and influence around the world. And, you know, what China is and what Steve, Stephen Miller said this really well in a tweet. He said, basically, China represents a thousand Nord Stream 2s, Nord Streams, Nord Stream 1 and 2. That is a that is a carrot and a stick on the table right now for, for uh, diplomacy, right? The Nord Stream to try to get Russia to you know, stop hemorrhaging cash. Russia is spending about $15 billion a day on this war effort. It's killing them financially. They're actually asking China to invest about $100 billion in, in buying up properties, buying up investments, just investing in Russia to the tune of like a major number to try to help sustain the the war effort. And what we're going to hear in, in, a, in an audio clip is you're going to hear this fighter pilot, this Russian fighter pilot, just before he died, just before he died, and he was talking with his mother, texting. And what ended up happening is he ended up saying a bunch of things that's probably going to get Putin in, in trouble with the war crimes because Putin's using weapons that are off limits with regard to uh, biochemicals and his invasion of a neighboring country and decapitating it is a violation so he could be brought up on war crimes what i think is going on is i think that putin is not the sharpest tool in the shed and just like mike tyson never really had like in boxing mike tyson when Mike Tyson was actually challenged, if you were to talk to uh, for Teddy Atlas, uh, which was his coach, Teddy Atlas would say the words, and he said this on tape, he said, Mike Tyson was 0-5, and, and I was scratching my head, and I was listening to that, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense, but he did make sense out of it, he said... The, there were five moments when Mike Tyson was actually tested. He was the bully in the backyard. He was the bully in the schoolyard. But when he got punched in the nose and when he got tested, I still think one of the best best quotes ever was by Mike Tyson. He says, everybody's got a plan until you punched in the face. And I thought that was funny. But it's true. The, a lot of times these bullies don't have a, a, a strong... <clears throat> uh, strong mental mentality and they're not great under pressure. And I think that Putin, you know, can boss people around and boss, you know, it's easy to do that, right? Push buttons and things get done. Nobody questions anything, but when things start to push back and that's why he never tested Trump, he knew Trump was a savvy businessman who would have outsmarted him every day of the week and Sunday. And he never bothered to test Trump. I think everybody knows <coughs> that Trump is one of the smartest dudes in the room, no doubt about it. Trump is a very quick calculator, calculating force. I think he's. Um, I think with Trump, Trump has. I think Trump has a fringe, like a like a on the uh, spectrum. Of Aspergers to to a to a small degree, to like a, a not even noticeable degree. But I believe that he's he's got that high level thinking that's going on that's somewhat special. And and uh, but but whatever it is, I uh, I definitely think that Putin never wanted to test and challenge Trump. But he tested and challenged George W. Bush because George W. Bush was a complete and total idiot. And Obama was not the sharpest tool in the shed. Obama was corrupt. He was a criminal. He was a community uh, leader, organizer, not even a leader. He He did not have natural leadership skills. He was a great orator. That's the one thing I'd say about Obama. But Obama had handlers, and he had all the wrong handlers. You take Ben Rhodes, Ben Rhodes, uh, one of Obama's handlers. He says this, he says, there's no reason to look the other way with MBS, which is the Solomon uh, kingdom, uh, basically Saudi Arabia who, like Putin, is a megalomaniacal autocrat, right? And I said, Ben Rhodes supports Iran, who supports Hezbollah, and supports Palestinians, who support Hamas, who all chant death to Israel and death to America while killing more civilians than MBS. Putin invaded Georgia... During Bush, Crimea during Obama, Ukraine during Biden, no one. They invaded no one during Trump. So there's that. But China better, you know, you better believe China is taking advantage. They're going into Taiwan and they're looking at the mistakes that uh, Putin is making. He's making some big mistakes. And I think there's big mistakes there. I think it's an embarrassment for Russia in the way this is playing out. Now you got these fighter jets in Poland. You got these Ukraine fighters, uh, uh, fighter pilots, that are going to pick these planes up and maybe take out that forty-mile caravan uh, that's marching into uh, into Kiev with the tanks. So we'll see what happens. But you know, I'm a little surprised that Putin. Someone asked me, "Do you think the war is going to happen?" I said. Possible, but unlikely, because it's just such a stupid move for Putin to make. What does he gain? What does he lose? How much money is he going to spend? How much equity? And if he gets hit up on war crimes, that's how he ends his legacy? I don't get it. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Because you have these families that are related to each other in Ukraine and Russia and Belarus and elsewhere. But... We'll name those three. And they're all knee-deep in this conflict. And, and the thing is, is if Belarus gets involved, because they're pro-Russia, uh, then they're a weak country, they're small, and the sanctions would just annihilate them financially. As will be the case with respect to uh, Russia, who can't afford what's about to hit them with sanctions and once that oil pipeline is turned off, the GOP members across the across the Congress, GOPs, making a strong push, and you're going to see that tonight at the State of the Union address. One of their, um, you know, their counter arguments at the end of the night, when you listen, is going to be a strong push for oil independence, energy independence. Now is not the time. To strong arm, like a bully, the middle class into submission because they can't afford $80 fill-ups at the, at the gas pump, they're going to have to buy an electric car. That's the way you're going to do it? You're going to basically take their arm and break it off if they don't do it? If they don't do it your way? And it's Russia that's pushing a lot of this. Here's an article here by... Um, Samantha Dravis, it's Dravis. It says, "Stop letting environmental groups funded by Russia dictate America's energy policy." It is an open secret that Russians have funded anti-fracking and anti-natural gas propaganda in America for decades. In the aftermath of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, one thing has become abundantly clear to the American people energy security is national security. Of course it is. But after decades of indoctrination by environmental groups who have pushed a climate change agenda completely detached from reality, today America is left with neither. You know, if you want to get rich quick, open up a nonprofit. In the name of energy, and hit up all of your Americas, uh, all of the um, oil-rich uh, uh, nemesises to America, all of the American antagonists who happen to be rich with oil, and get your funding from them. And now, as a green organization, nonprofit, you could, you too, could stand up and get. Millions of dollars in donations to 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 impact public policy, and that's what's being done. Russia and the oligarchs are siding with anti-American interests through nonprofit organizations and lobbyist groups, paying off uh, politicians in pay-to-play voting. You know, we'll give you a big donation over here if you vote a certain way over there. Pay to play voting. Politically beholden to these groups and fearing the shame and public harassment tactics that they are known for, President Biden began his presidency by unleashing a war on American oil and gas to satisfy the environmental left. Many people don't know that for years, Russia has funded the anti-fracking propaganda that many environmental groups have picked up. So in 2017, congressional investigators found that a money trail linked Russia to millions of dollars, funding U.S. nonprofits to work against U.S. shale gas in order to influence the U.S. energy market. So, Pennsylvanians, you know, when you vote for Conor Lamb, you're voting for Russia, Okay, you're voting for that Russian influence to make us so that we're not energy independent. And now look what's what's happened to us, right? <clears throat> we could be energy independent, stop financing Russia and really break the spine of Russia, break them break them in half. And so You know, there is a reason why Biden on day one canceled the Keystone Pipeline because he made a lot of people with a lot of money, oil money, black money. He made them rich by turning that off. And they in turn made his cronies rich and himself rich. So there we are with that. Now, I want to play this clip about Ukraine. Uh, this is a little bit of Fox and Friends today. It's also going to be about the fighter pilot, and it lends itself to something I want to talk about. Let's take a listen.
1: About the thermobaric vacuum bomb. They're not That's, supposed to use them. That. Absolutely. It's, it's a war crime, but to Mike Tobin's point, you know, who's going to enforce it? But it's the biggest bomb they've got short of an atomic tactical bomb. So obviously they, they know the rules and what's going on. Right now, the invasion is costing Mr. Putin. It's estimated uh, by UK sources at $15 billion a day. We are, the United States, actually subsidizing part of that because we continue to buy oil from Russia. Now, Russia knows that we're turning the screws, and I'm sure the president tonight is going to talk more about that as well. But what, what he's expected to do, uh, Mr. Putin is, he's expected to ask China to buy close to $100 billion worth of Chinese assets in Russia to raise the cash to keep the war and the economy running. Now, as you look at that government building in Ukraine that took the direct hit, There is one bit of really good news today, and that is uh, Ukrainian pilots have arrived in the country of Poland. Seventy jets have been donated from European countries, and they are flying them back to Ukraine, which is great. They are older Russian-made planes. Uh, there are 28 MiG-29 S's from Poland, uh, 12 from Slovakia, and 30 planes from Bulgaria. And think about it. If you've got a 40-mile-long convoy of tanks and armored vehicles...
3: Now, we're going to take a quick listen to uh, Marco Rubio, who had, uh, who's on the Armed Services Committee. He's, he's pretty knowledgeable about some of this stuff. Let's take a listen.
1: Uh, who who he knows is capable of doing just about anything at this point.
0: Well, I don't think there's any reason to panic. People that are watching the show that we're on the verge of a nuclear exchange of ICBMs. But I I do think it's bear watching. And this is my personal view based on everything. This is not the same Putin as five or ten years ago, right? This is a guy whose entire legitimacy in Russia is built on his argument that, you know, the 90s were an era of humiliation. He restored Russia to great global power status. And now he's facing the free fall of his economy. I mean, what's facing Russia's economy over the next 10 days is cataclysmic. And then you add to that the humiliation on the battlefield that they have faced so far, even though they're keeping much of that from the Russian public. And you see a guy who's facing some circumstances that he needs to reverse pretty quickly. He needs to reestablish some level of power balance with the West before he can even think about, you know, what else to do. And he doesn't have a lot of tools to do it. I'm just saying that with a guy in that condition, uh, with, with that mindset in charge, uh, you're going to get a different decision from him today than you would have ten years ago.
3: Well, see, this was a big miscalculation by Putin, and uh, like I said, I don't think he's that smart. I, I compared him to Mike Tyson. I was saying the Mike Tyson bit because what I'm saying is Putin has never been challenged. Uh, he may have been savvy in his in his younger years. Uh, back in the 90s and in 2000, maybe that's how he got himself into a strong position. But right now, he's been living on easy street for the last 20 years. Uh, and lying to the Russian people um, that, in, in a way where there there has been no real elections. He wouldn't have been in power for that long, for that long. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So... To think that that's the case. Um, and now his people are really rising up against him. Like I say, in St. Petersburg, uh, they're rising up against Putin. This has become a real failure. What you're about to hear is going to be very, uh, wow, well, it's going to be very, t- um, it, it could be used as evidence uh, against Putin for war crimes. Let's take a listen.
4: All of the cities right here. So no okay. long since you responded.
0: With. In charge, uh, you're going to get a different. Exercises. Right, right
4: this was their text exchange oh, okay, just right before
0: here. he died.
3: This was a, I would like to read from the screen. This is a Russian fighter pilot, uh, and this uh, gentleman here uh, at the United Nations is reading this in front of the uh, United Nations yesterday. And was reading the text exchange that the fighter pilot in uh, the Russian fighter pilot had with his mother, who thought he might have been going to training exercise. Uh, turned out, he says, "No, mom, my uh, mom, I'm in, uh, I'm in Ukraine, and what's going on here is we're bombing all kinds of cities indiscriminately, including civilians. This is not." Uh, we were told that they we would have been greeted as freedom and liberty warriors, that we would have been greeted with open arms, and that that was not the case. So this was a big, huge miscalculation or a lie to the soldiers and the fighters, uh, the Russian fighters and the Russian army, um, and they're not liberators. So, you know, that's what's interesting. Now, that being said, I'm not a fan of Ukraine and their globalist tendencies. And I'm not a fan of Ukraine in in general. Um, The only reason why we're here is because Lindsey Graham and John McCain and Joe Biden and uh, Hunter Biden and Mitt Romney and Nancy Pelosi and John Kerry and everybody else and their brother and their children uh, all got rich quick off of a puppet country and fleeced it like there was no tomorrow. Uh, and then now Ukraine gets a payback. They're going to get into the European Union as a martyr uh, and strengthen the globalist, globalist movement and the new world order uh, to a certain degree uh, at the expense of Russia. But then Russia, what are they going to get? I don't think Russia's going to end up with much if Ukraine enters the European Union. That's the problem. I think this was a huge mistake. By Vladimir Putin, and you better believe that President G is going to not make these same mistakes in Taiwan. But in the face of the State of the Union address, what you'll be seeing is a complete uh, uh, embarrassment. Uh, You know, in one year, uh, what Biden has the story that Biden has to tell is going to be just absolutely the worst State of the Union I think I I could ever imagine. Let's take a listen to this text exchange. It's going to be uh, interesting when you hear it.
5: screen shot of the smartphone, of a, smartphone uh, of a killed Russian soldier.
4: Why has it been so long since you responded? Are you really... In in training exercises
5: asks the mother of the killed soldier moments before he was killed. Mama, I'm
4: in Ukraine.
5: There
4: is a real war raging here. I'm afraid.
5: We are
4: bombing all of the cities together, even even targeting civilians. We, we were told that they would welcome us. And they are falling under our armored vehicles, throwing themselves under the wheels and not allowing us to
5: pass. They call
4: us fascists.
5: Mama,
4: This is so hard. And, several
5: moments he was killed.
4: and this was several moments before he was killed.
3: It's just heartbreaking, you know. Now, you know, that could be completely and utterly made up. You know, that's the other thing that's happening with this uh, conflict is the disinformation that's going on. It's just incredible, you know, absolutely incredible, the disinformation that's that, that we're seeing play out before our eyes. Um, so there's that. But uh, uh, definitely... This seems to be going in a lot different direction. But that woman, that clip I played uh, in the very beginning, I'm going to go ahead and play that for people who entered the show uh, uh, later than in the beginning. Uh, And so here's this woman, the member of parliament in the Ukraine, who's basically saying this is about a new world order, protecting the new world order and protecting the euro. Let's right now, a
4: it's a critical time because we know that we not only fight for Ukraine, we fight for this new world order for the democratic countries. We knew that we are the shield for the Europe. Right.
3: Yep, she said it out loud. That was a pretty dumb comment by that parliamentary uh, member. Uh, very dumb, actually. Uh, because it's, you know... Uh, and then there's a meme here. It says, no one will complain about empty grocery shelves, thinking of the State of the Union tonight. Nobody will complain about empty uh, grocery shelves if they're high on crack. You know, of course, we have the crack pipe uh, initiative. <laughs> you know, that's another thing they can be proud of, right, uh, at the State of the Union address. One of the things is um, Novak Djokovic, uh, he is this great tennis player that, uh, took a stand in Australia and he basically has come out and made a statement. He says, the principles to make medical decisions about my body is above anything else. And, uh, that athletes, um, for medical freedom is another group that, uh, is doing some great work. Uh, And a lot of uh, our Olympic athletes have gotten involved with that, uh, including a lot of great wrestlers that uh, I follow. And um, and. This is the year that we've had is this lack of freedom, you know, what's happened to the Ottawa truckers, what's happened to uh, we and we have our truckers marching across the country. And kudos to them, the convoys that are going across our country. They're they were in Missouri yesterday, and now they're going to be marching into D.C. That in and of itself is going to be a great uh great event, I think. They they've uh, fenced up everything in Washington D.C. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to, to see what's to witness it because it's no longer the people's house, is it? You know, it used to belong to the people. Remember when there would be a conflict or um, something happening uh, in, in, in America? President Trump would bring all of these people from the conflict into the White House and, and uh, have a roundtable discussion and give people a voice. That was beautiful stuff. You know, great theater, great, great, beautiful stuff. Here, everything's behind closed doors. No one shares any information with anybody. And you wonder why it is that the journalists are so in the tank for the left when the left treats them like dirt. Remember when Hillary Clinton used to put all these journalists in a rope and kind of like escort them down down the road with a rope, you know, holding them back with ropes like they're cattle? I mean, it was unbelievable. And yet they just love it. They just love Hillary. They hated Trump. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um. And then um, one other thing. I was going to play this yesterday, but I decided not to. And uh, it's too long, and it's too. Uh, it requires more visual. But Saturday Night Live, which I don't watch anymore, I used to watch it a lot more, but um, I just got so sick and tired of the liberal bias uh, that I just couldn't support it. But they came out with this thing where they were, um, talking about, uh, talking about COVID masks and mandates. And it was really funny. It's, uh, it went viral all over, uh, the internet. And, um, it was actually kind of cool to see a left wing bastion, like, like Saturday night live go in that direction. um, and basically, question the efficacies of masks and all that we've done in the last year. And again, that's also going to be part of tonight's speech. And right now, we got John from Chicago calling in. John, welcome to the Scott Adams Show.
2: Well, good morning, Scott. Good morning. Uh, you know, regarding the, uh, the masks, it reminds me of the vaccines, too. When they came out, I heard from other doctors about that. No, the vaccines give you better protection than natural immunity. I heard a couple of doctors saying that which made no sense to me because I, I knew of no disease for which a vaccine was ever better than natural immunity. I, I really, honestly, it may be one that, that's out there. I've never heard of it. And so now over time we found out that, that in fact, that's the case, right? There's uh, the vaccine is uh, actually less effective. I mean, or at least the natural immunity is at least as effective. And I believe it's been proven to be in, in many more studies now more effective than the actual, uh, than the actual vaccine, so natural immunity beats the vaccine. But it took a while for that to shake out. But initially, they were trying to tell us one thing, and then it became another thing. Like so many things with this, there's a lot of nonsense. I mean,
0: Djokovic.
2: First of all, these guys are playing tennis. They're how far are they away from each other? A hundred feet. I mean, there's a ball boy, there's a linesman, and there's a tennis player on the other side of the net. But why, why also, does that guy need to be vaccinated?
3: They're also tested. They're, they're, you know, they're also taking the tests, right? They're, they're test negative. So the odds are, and then not only that, they're healthy. Uh, you know, but you know, here's the, here's the other thing, John is, you know, um, the NIH director Collins, Francis Collins, uh, was appointed to be the science advisor now for the white house. He retired from the NIH and now Biden, uh, hired him as, as, uh, as a as uh, science advisor. It says, Collins didn't stay retired for long. Former NIH director and lab leak denialist becomes top White House science advisor. Go figure. We just keep tapping into yeah. these morons over and over and over again. And you know that it's not based on performance that he got tapped. He got tapped because he's corrupt. He got tapped because he could leak. He got tapped because he could write a book. And so... That level of coercion gets him a job instead. And all of yeah, us I mean, suffer he's, from he's, it. Yeah, sir. Go ahead.
2: Well, he's the one who, who said we need to coordinate an attack on the guys who signed the Great Barrington yeah. Declaration. If you remember that. Yeah. And basically suppress any dissent because we need to all be going in the party line. That's the way it is. And, you know, you mentioned, well, why, why does the press support Hillary? Because that's the party line, because they are of that same elite university class, uh, most of them, which believes in all of this, which is the, uh, the global, you know, the global reset, the, the great reset, the global order, the multiculturalism, and they see Hillary's enemies, and Obama's enemies, and the Democratic Party's enemies as their enemies. And there's been, I guess, over the decades, a, a, a diminution of emphasis on Impartiality. You see more and more uh, reporters and uh, journalists, quote unquote, who say, "We, why should we be neutral? We should be advocates, so that they all become Bill O'Reilly or they all become Sean Hannity." That that's not the approach. I mean, Sean Hannity, or Rush Limbaugh said, hey, "Look, I'm not the news. I am giving you my opinion." But when I turn into the at-the-hour news on ABC Radio or whatever, I should hear the objective facts because. That's the baseline reporting, the baseline facts. Those are the baseline facts that I need to start to make my own decisions. However, they've taken the approach, we give you your decisions. We give you your conclusions prepackaged. And so if they are in agreement with one particular party, then they sell the party line. And I think that's why they
3: I think we lost John. John? Oh, I think. Yeah, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now.
2: Hello? Yeah. Sorry, I went to a dip in the road. Um, Yeah, I think they do it because they're of the same ideological ilk, and they they think it's okay to package up conclusions instead of giving us basic information. So that's why they do it. They they are advocates, not impartial journalists anymore, and the Democrats are on their side. And that's why they do it. And the other thing is, I don't know if it's true or not, but, you know, when Ben Rhodes talks about a lot of these journalists being young kids and he was able to dupe them into selling them the uh, the Obama war narrative, I think it was in Syria or maybe it was in Libya. Hmm. And they were easy to fool, in part because they were so uninformed. And I, I think part of that was they were so young.
3: Well, they're Median also all letters. struck. And it seems like liberals um, are not skeptical. Like liberals basically... Um, Look, looked up to Obama and his disciples like Ben Rhodes, as gospel, you know, almost like a from a religious cult perspective. Um, and you never see that like at CPAC you, you have a, you have a healthy level of skepticism. and uh, also you have a, a little bit more of a diversity. Uh, you don't have that among the left.
2: Sam Donaldson, where have you gone? Anyway I right. uh, remember Sam Donaldson and Ronald Reagan. Um, but uh, you know this leads perfectly into the next point. So regarding the situation with Russia and Ukraine, the skepticism point is a good one because I have seen I mean I you have to look at other sources besides the American media because they have been I mean even like Fox I've been I was following it in Wall Street Journal. Then I was looking at other sites that were more European or from uh, people that were, you know, Russian extraction who were arguing for Russia. I've looked at both sides as follows You know, Scott Ritter is another guy you can follow, but he's the former weapons inspector. Uh, you know, for uh, the Iraq WMD inspectors that there was no WFDs. Anyway, what they said, some of these other sources said, no, 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 they're they're not losing. They're actually moving very quickly. What they're doing, though, and this is why I think that. That notes they were reading at the UN is fake. Uh, first of all, how would they get that? I mean, oh, we 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 intercepted that. I doubt that. But I mean, that, that sounds too prepackaged. It doesn't make sense. Number one. Number two. Um, everything I've heard on that other side is that well, they're you know they're they, they pull when they hit the civilians, they pull back because if you've noticed, there's internet in Kiev, there's internet in Kharkiv. How is that possible? If they wanted to flatten these places, they could have done it within forty-eight hours. They haven 't because they know that they're going to have they 're basically working with people they 've known for years, so the argument is that they're going in they're they're hitting all the military installations mm. and then they're're they're hitting yeah. resistance pulling back and then slowly encircling and they, that's how they've been doing it What about cauldron that's what I think is really going on there but the, yeah. and so if you had all these atrocities, I think we would have seen it. Yeah. So I think there actually have been relatively few of those. And I think this is going so, to be a slow, at this point, a relatively slow yeah. triangulation.
3: Yeah. Well, I want to read this to the audience. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you want to stay on. It's going to take about a minute. Um, but you could stay sure. on it and listen to it. Um, and here it is. It's by a guy named Alexander Dugan. He says, This is not a war with Ukraine. This is a confrontation with globalism as a whole planetary phenomenon. Confrontation at all levels, geopolitical and ideological. Russia rejects everything in globalism, monopolarity, uh, Atlanticism on the one hand, and liberalism, anti-tradition, technocracy. Great reset in one word, in another. It is clear that all European leaders are part of the Atlantic liberal elite, and we want... We want to war with her. Hence, is their normal response? Russia is now being excluded from the globalist networks. She has no choice anymore, either to build her world or to disappear. Russia has taken a course to build its world, its civilization. And now the first step is being taken. But in the face of globalism, only a large space, a continent-state, a civil civilization state can be sovereign no country will last a complete blackout for long russia is now creating a field of global resistance her victory will be the victory of alternative forces both the right and the left and all nations as always we begin the fight most difficult the most difficult and dangerous processes but when we when we win they all share That's the way it's meant to be. We are now creating the premise for true polypolarism. So that's kind of an interesting take on it. I definitely think this is a war between globalism and nationalism is the way I see it. What's your thought? You know, it's tough to
2: say. Tough to say. I don't know. I I think the immediate concern was simply the strategic, we don't want to be surrounded kind of uh, concern because they saw what happened and, uh, Kazakhstan and that yeah, was actually but they were uh, Russia was them.
3: getting isolated yeah. from the world as globalism was rising especially in the wake of COVID which was in my opinion a globalist operation and we saw an unprecedented amount of distribution of wealth uh, redistribution of wealth between the middle class and the super elite so I think Russia saw this as an uh, seized globalism as an existential threat
2: I do think they probably recoil at the globalist vision, because that would mean the sacrifice of their identity. There is probably some truth to that. I, I do think the most pressing issue for them is the immediate security issue. I think the very practical security issue is their most immediate concern. But remember, they're going to be an alliance with China. That looks like what's going to happen. And that yeah. gives pretty much they can get everything they need. If the Chinese do attack Taiwan, I think they have a party conference in the fall. I yeah. got a feeling they'll wait until yeah. after that because, right. you know, they, they haven't, you know, they might over before yeah.
3: that. Well, we got to go. We're out of time. Sorry. Have a great day. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so John for calling in. And you know, one of the other things is, you know, globalists will be their customers in the end. Uh, Russia will sell them oil and China will sell them slave labor. And, uh, you know, and that's the way we're going to see it. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out, but we got to get a, we got to get a grip on combating globalism for sure because globalism sucks. Well, you've been listening to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. Use Red State. If you would like to support Red State Talk Radio and The Scott Adams Show, use Red State as your promo code when you go to mypillow.com. And buy any of the products with a maximum discount, and be sure to check out magapack.org and see what we're doing to promote America First to make America great again. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye, everybody.